Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, one of the fastest growing movie podcasts in the world, where we discuss all things film. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. Anthony here. I'm going to be doing a solo review now of Don't Look Up. James and I have a lot more time on our hands, so we're going to be able to do these mini reviews sprinkled throughout the week. I have uh, Macbeth coming up next. Jim's going to do 500 Days of Summer and then a few others. So we're looking forward to doing this new thing where we can talk about other movies uh, on a smaller scale. And we think we're going to really enjoy our reviews. So today I'm going to talk about the movie Don't Look Up. Now this movie has a rotten rating of 56% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 50 score on Metacritic. Both very disappointing reviews. It's beginning mixed responses from people on social media. Um, some people say it's great. Some people say it's terrible. And I'm going to be critical of this film. You know, I, I remember seeing this trailer when it came out, and I thought it looked so brilliant. I thought it looked very funny, like a biting, searing comedy. I love Adam McKay. I am a huge fan of his. I adore every movie he's made. I think Vice is one of the best movies of the last few years. I think it was, even though it got nominated for a bunch of Oscars, it didn't win anything. I think it was really terrific in Big Short, obviously. But also, he's made some of the funniest movies of the last 20 years. And I just adore the guy. And I love his show Succession as well. And so I remember when I saw this trailer, I was like, this is a great idea. He's taking the, the idea of the concept of a comet coming to Earth, <clears throat> about to collide with Earth, and using it as a metaphor for you know climate change, basically. And people who don't look up are people who deny climate change. Is what he's saying. And I thought it was a really interesting take on a political political commentary. Um, I thought it was an interesting idea, and I was very much looking forward to it. It looked like a great comedy, um, just like The Big Short and Vice having humor sprinkled in this political commentary. Amazing cast. I mean, you can't. I mean, money can't pay for a better cast than this film. It's really stacked across the board. And so I was like walking into this movie like I cannot wait for this. And <clears throat> unfortunately, I was just disappointed. Um, not so much about the concept, but the way the story unfolded. Um, McKay's writing was just very poor, I think. And character motivations, plots, there were so many plot holes. Um, and I feel like this was very much like a missed opportunity because if it was done the right way, it could have been a very impactful film, but ended up becoming just kind of something that's going to be brushed under the rug and forgotten in time. I guarantee you it's not going to get nominated for anything at the Oscars or Golden Globes. I actually, I'm not, I don't, I'm not sure if it did get nominated for anything at the Globes. The, the list came out last week, but I'll have to double check it, but I'm pretty sure nothing did. And it's a shame for the talent you have in this film, the talent behind the lenses, and I think ultimately it was a missed opportunity, and I'm going to explain why. And before I get into it, it's, James and I, we avoid politics in our show. We're both very apolitical. Uh, we love movies, and we love sports, and you know, health, mental health, and fitness and stuff. So we focus on those um, things as our hobbies and things that we put our, our mental capacities into. Uh, we I believe that you know politics are... Something that creates a lot of division in the world. Obviously, everything nowadays, there's so much divisiveness among people. I stay out of it. I stay away from politics. I don't watch the news. I think the news, as someone who's, I'm 31 years old, I've seen this happen 
year after year after year. Um, and I've gotten to the point where I'm like, we really can't trust these people who are in charge. Um, and we can't look at them as like heroic figures that uh, they present themselves out to be because they always disappoint us and they always bring us down. And so I've gotten to this point in my life where I'm just very apolitical. I focus on my passions and politics is not a passion of mine. And the news is not a passion of mine. I focus on my crafts and doing the podcast and storytelling and art and stuff like that. And so I've actually fallen into a much happier space in my life by getting out of the political world and getting out of the, the news cycle world. And I actually recommend, you know, taking a break from the news and taking a break from politics. So, And so I'm approaching this movie from a neutral party. I don't have a political party. I am kind of just like on my own in the middle. I don't care if someone disagrees with me. I think that, you know, disagreement and, and differences in opinion are important for people to have in a society. And I encourage people to disagree with me, to challenge me, to not agree with me in something that's something that's, you know, very much missing in the modern world where a lot of people don't want to hear a different opinion and a lot of people don't want to accept someone else who might differ an opinion from them. And that's a major problem. And I thought that's the way that McKay was going to approach this film, but it was not. And I actually want to talk about this film compared to a film that came out last year. It was Jon Stewart's Irre Irresistible. And Irresistible is a terrific political commentary. Really great, biting, searing humor. Jon Stewart, very smart guy, very talented guy. We all, we grew up watching The Daily Show, so we're a huge fan of his. And he just made an incredible film that I want to compare it to Don't Look Up because it does all the things that Don't Look Up wanted to do but it does them correctly. And so in, in Irresistible, it's about Steve Carell's character is a, a political consultant who discovers this random redneck guy in the middle of nowhere who's running for mayor, and then he decides to put his democratic resources to fund this guy's campaign, manage his campaign, and try and get him elected as mayor because he, can, he thinks he could be a terrific governor in the future who could win the gubernatorial race. And... What Jon Stewart does brilliantly with this film is he shows that it's not one party that's corrupt and one party is the heroes. The entire system is corrupt. Both parties are liars. Both parties are driven by money and greed. And for the most part, the vast majority of politicians just want to get votes, just want to get elected, and just want to get reelected. And also the news cycle, he showed how fake the news is, how they stir up opinions, they try to pit people against each other, and that's the main motivations of the news. And so he made this incredible portrait going after the entire system, not just one not just one side and the other side. And this movie flew under the radar because he went after the media. He went after everyone. And that's why it didn't get nominated for anything. That's why it got lukewarm reviews and a lukewarm response. And it's a shame because it was one of my favorite films of 2020. And the best part about the film is he didn't take sides. He just showed us that, you know, they're all lying to us and they're all trying to get something from us and they really don't truly care about helping their constituents. And that's what the whole message of that film was. And I think that the problem with McKay's film is he took the approach of pointing a finger at people who disagree with him and just basically screaming at them. And I understand where he is coming from. And I understand that what he's trying to do 
is point out the ridiculousness of people who don't want to believe in climate change. I understand what he's doing, but it was done in such an unnuanced way. It was done such in such an ostentatious way that the film just didn't work out. And the screenplay is ultimately the weakest part of the film. It has a great concept, great cast, great production, huge budget. I mean, this movie was made, I, I'm guessing it's got a $150 million budget, even maybe even more, because some of these actors have high salaries. Like Leo and J-Lock, they can get paid 20 mil, no problem for a movie. So this movie had a lot of money behind it. Beautiful cinematography. He shoots on film, which I really like. And, you know, McKay did a great job of casting. This is a very diverse cast, so got to give him kudos for that. He got a ton of great actors from all walks of life, so it's definitely one of the best parts about the film. But um, ultimately, the the screenplay is what is the issue. And you start with this idea of the comic coming to Earth, and that's funny, and it's a great setup. And then you've seen enough from the trailer where they approach the president, played by Meryl Streep, who's basically like this Hillary Clinton, Trump, Frankenstein monster. And I understand what he's doing, but it's so in your face. Like she's wearing red glasses and always dressed in red. It's like very, it's a little too on the nose. And then her son is the chief of staff played by Jonah Hill, who is, I love Jonah Hill, but it's just, he didn't, his comedy didn't work in this movie. It was, I wasn't laughing at all. And that is one of the main problems. I was not, I didn't laugh at all in this movie. I was just kind of confounded by what was unfolding. Obviously, you can tell from the trailer that the president kind of doesn't care what these scientists are talking about, dismisses the idea of the comet coming to Earth. And, you know, I, I was expecting that scene and it, it played OK, but it wasn't as funny as I thought it would be. Like the entire trailer was built upon that scene in the Oval Office. And that scene just was kind of underwhelming. And then what happens is the characters, they go to a newspaper to get the word out and they go on a couple of television shows to get the word out. It doesn't really work out, and they end up becoming like a meme and you know a joke to on the internet. And I that was a pretty decent commentary on how, like McKay's trying to say that people are taking things less seriously, um, and just turning like serious issues into memes and jokes, which I totally agree agree with. But one of the biggest plot holes in this film is the characters struggle to get politicians to see their research and agree and accept their research because all they do is go to the, to the president. And when the president dismisses them, they go, they try to go to the media. And when that doesn't work, they're like, Oh, we're screwed. What's going to happen. There's no mention of the Congress. There's no mention of house of representatives. They don't approach any other politicians. I don't even think there are any other politicians in the movie at all, which is just a major plot hole because the president only has so much power and they are beholden to the Congress to a certain extent. So why, if the president dismisses you, why not go to like a senator or a congressman of some kind or anyone who's not the president or a governor or, or anyone? So I think the idea that the, this movie made it seem like if you watch this movie and you, weren't, a, if, and you didn't, weren't familiar with America, it would make it look like the president was like the ruler of the country and there was no other politicians at all in the in the country and so it's a huge plot hole where even if the president dismisses you you could go to 50 senators in your party and bring them the news and we know there are so many politicians who are pro climate change activism so they would be like super encouraged to help them out so th this is like a glaring plot hole that if 
if, if McKay actually wrote this story in reality, the story wouldn't work because there's so many people that would get behind the research. <clears throat> and so I found that so unbelievable that nobody in politics would get behind what they're trying to say. And that's just like a giant plot hole that when I'm watching this movie and halfway through, I'm like, there's no one in the House of Congress that wants to do this too and, and wants to listen to them. And McKay, had, he got around that plot hole by not even showing another politician except for the president. So that was just a, one of the many notches of things that made this feel like it wasn't even a reality. It was so much, a little too fantastical, a little too farcical to be taken seriously. And then the next step that was really doing it for me was that <clears throat> the president finally did accept the research as a way of benefiting herself, which is, I think was a good take. You know, politicians generally change, they flip flop their policies. They'll change their opinions when it benefits them. If it's going to help them get more votes, it's happened time and time again by politicians, even you love, or I love, you know, or used to love. It's like, they'll do whatever they can to get, um, a better, better polling. And that's what happens in this movie. So I totally get behind that. And so next, the, the movie takes on the stage of, you know, the mission in America starts their mission and they're, they're going to launch a bunch of rockets at the comet to blow it up. Like, yeah, we, you, yeehaw, let's go America. I was like, okay, this is pretty good. It's, it's finally getting rolling. This Now I was like accepting what was happening. And then ultimately that mission gets turned around because, you know, some tech mogul played by Mark Rylance, he looks, he seems like he's like, a blend of like Elon Musk with Steve Jobs, maybe. That's what he reminded me of. And he comes into the scene and convinces the president to call off the mission because they can mine minerals off the comet that are worth like $120 trillion. And so they cancel the mission, um, they abort it, and they, they begin developing a new mission of mining minerals off the comet, which will take them a while to develop the technology and they won't be able to launch the mission for several months. And that's actually never specifically stated when they're going to do the next mission. And that's another major problem I'll get to in a little bit. But also, I'm watching this movie. I'm an hour and a half into this movie, and I'm like, are no other countries trying to blow this comet up? It's like the comet's going to hit in like two weeks, and like nobody, no other country's doing anything. It's just America. And then McKay throws in this one scene like two hours into the movie, of like Russia, China, like Japan, like all these major countries that have the capabilities of doing this on their own, they made a joint mission that blew up right on launch. And I was like, that's just another major plot hole that he just covered with a Band-Aid that made no sense. Like if there was a comet coming to Earth in six months, we all know China would have blown that up within like a week and a half. They would have been like, yeah, it's gone, it's toast, like... And we wouldn't even have to, like, they would have done it so fast. And the fact that they would team up with Russia and other countries, it, I mean, that's just kind of silly that all these giant countries with, I'm sure, so many intelligent people, just like in America, who knows how many, like, if you couldn't count the number of highly intelligent, efficient people in those countries, in the field of science and engineering that would add to that, those missions, why would they, why would these huge countries do a joint mission and have no backup plan at all. It's so ridiculous that nobody had a backup plan if their mission failed. It just there when all of their rockets explode in this one scene that's like 30 seconds long at the end of the movie, 
I was just like rolling my eyes, like that's it. Like all these com- all these amazing, amazingly intelligent individuals, these huge con- countries that have accomplished so much of their own, and they make one plan together. It's just yet another huge plot hole that does not ha- that have any basis in reality would never happen. And again, takes you completely out of the film entirely, entirely, and makes it seem like you know this movie. I understand what McKay's doing, but the script and the writing and the storytelling is the main issue here. And then back to America. Now it's like this is like the final step. Like all the other countries have failed. Now we're gonna mine the, the comet with this new plan. While we mine it, we're gonna be scattering the the whole plan is to like separate the comet into small parts and mine each small part when they land to Earth because the pieces will be so small and it won't cause any damage and it'll land in the ocean. So that's the plan. And so America launches their mission. It's like like 60 drone spaceships and they start going after the comet and then one after another, each each ship begins being damaged or blowing up or just completely failing. And then the mission fails. And then... Everyone's like, oh, I got to get out of here. And so all the, the and the president and the tech mogul, they jump ship and take a spaceship out of Earth. And uh, everyone on Earth is like, oh, the comet's hitting. And I was just like, wait a second. So their plan to mine the minerals was launched like an hour before the comet was supposed to hit Earth. It was ridiculous. So the, the comet, the, the comet mining mission fails. And then everyone's, everyone's like, I got to get out of here. The comet's going to hit Earth. And I'm like... Why would the mission to mine the comet take place like right before the comet was supposed to make impact? It doesn't make any sense. Like it's so ridiculous. Like, and once again, no other backup plan, no other country put resources into stopping this thing. It's just so silly to think that, I mean, I understand what he's trying to say with like a big tech company mining minerals to the negative effects of the planet. I understand it, but it's just so silly that, these people would do it right before the comet hits and when the plan messes up, I'm, like the, the world's over. And then spoilers, obviously I'm getting super t- spoilery. The comet hits Earth and Earth blows up. I expected that was going to be the ending because, you know, that's the message that McKay's trying to send to his audience. But it was just so silly. Like that was it. Like the plan fails and then the comet hits Earth like right away. It was just so silly and unbelievable. And once again... These interesting ideas, interesting comments are just destroyed literally by this disastrous script and the screenplay. And that's ultimately what, you know, the biggest weakness of this movie is. And, and, you, and there's also, there's like scenes of like, he's, McKay's making fun of celebrity culture where he has Ariana Grande plays like a pop star. And I can't remember the rapper's name, I think it's Kid Cudi. Um, he plays a, a DJ and they have a breakup and then they they get back together on TV there's like a 5 minute scene of them on TV when they get over their breakup and get engaged and i'm watching this and i'm like this has no bearing on the plot at all this is just filler and this is just a way for McKay to get celebrities into his movie Chalamet love the guy but he has no significance on the plot at all he's just like a tail end character that has nothing to do except like hang out with Jennifer Lawrence for like five minutes, and that that's why he's in the movie just to get his face in there. Kate uh, Blanchett, I think she did a great job for her role. Ultimate, but otherwise, Tyler Perry's very good as well. 
But a bunch of these celebrities were just shoehorned in there just to sell the movie. And there was even like a, a three-minute Ariana Grande performance in the film. And I mean, so much respect to Ariana Grande. She's, you don't get to become one of the biggest stars in the world without being incredibly talented. But I just, I was watching it and it's like, I thought it was going to be like a 30-second like performance, just a cut of it, but it ended up being like the entire performance on stage. And I was like, what movie is this? Is this like a political commentary or is it just like a, a concert? So I think a lot of celebrities were shoehorned into this movie to help sell it. He did the same thing in The Big Short, but I think that that worked out really well when you have like Margot Robbie talking directly to the audience. It was funny while giving vital information that was confusing to digest. But this time it just felt like he was just like trying to get celebrities in there to to get people to watch the movie, whereas you should just be making a great movie in general. And then ultimately, you know, I this, the jokes in this film don't land and uh, McKay's a very funny guy and I was surprised like you could there were jokes that were definitely set up to be jokes and I was watching it and I just didn't find them that good that funny I couldn't find anything to really laugh at even Jonah Hill like I, his his comedy just didn't really work in the scenes and the the tone of this movie was just very strange I think that's why the comedy didn't work and you know there's so many plot holes in this film and then I guess I would say just like oh another major one is that the planet learns of the comet like they're the entire population is told of the comet six months prior to its impact date and yet like nothing happens like people still live their normal day daily lives going to work the same old thing i feel like if people knew that the comet was gonna hit earth there would be mass panic there would be hysteria there would be like tribalism like there would be like chaos you know it'd be it would be the massive riots everywhere all all over the world and especially um like mo- like the day before the co- like days before the comet's hitting and people have a feeling that the plan's not working like nothing happens and there's a scene where DiCaprio and J-Law tell like a, a restaurant of workers that like the politicians are lying and then that incites a small riot but still it's just like ridiculous that you know, people are still working their day jobs, think knowing that it's highly likely that the world could end in a few days. And I just found that so disbelievable and just completely inaccurate to human behavior. You know, fear is a very powerful um, emotion and it can really change people's behavior in a major way. And, you know, fear of death is uh, a major thing. And, and I feel like if people were afraid that the world was going to end, there would be huge amounts of hysteria all over the world. And the McKay just completely had no intention or desire to even address that or put it in the film because yet again, it would make his film very difficult to make and wouldn't make the story work. So it's yet another major plot hole that he just like covered up with some, you know, some scotch tape, which just like was again, took me out of the film. And so I guess what ultimately doesn't work with this film is it's, it's no, there's new, no nuance to it. It's um, highly political. Um, it's just too one-sided and when you compare it to a film like John Stewart's Irresistible, which said a lot of the same things, but approached it in a neutral way, approached it in a respectful way of showing that, you know, people are, we're better when we're working together and we should understand that like the people in power, they're trying to divide people and the politicians, they're all lying and, and the news stations and the news channels, they're all just trying to lie and um, they're all run by money and they're all 
motivated by corruption. And that's what John Stewart's film did so well, whereas McKay just pointed fingers at people he doesn't like. And I think that's ultimately what makes the film not work combined with just a plain old bad screenplay that just needed a heavy rewrite and reworking. And so, unfortunately, as anticipated this movie was on my list for this year, I was disappointed to see it, and I'm sad to say that it's definitely one of the weakest films of the year. And I would, unfortunately, I was, I'm surprised to say this, but out of if I'm going to rate this movie, I would give it a, a maybe a four and a half out of ten. And that's being generous, honestly. Now, if you like this movie, that's totally fine by me. This is just my opinion on the film, but I think that this was a missed opportunity for what McKay was trying to do and trying to say. And if you want to check it out, go ahead. But I recommend, you know, watching a film like Irresistible, which is a much better take on political commentary. But it's okay that if someone makes a movie that about an issue that you care about, it doesn't mean that it's automatically going to be a good movie. It's, it's okay to say, you know what, I understand what they're trying to do, but it just didn't work out and they should have done it in a different way. That's totally fine. So that's my review of Don't Look Up. I recommend if you're going to watch a film that has a political commentary, definitely check out Irresistible by Jon Stewart instead. I believe that's available on HBO Max. Thank you for listening to this review. There's going to be many more like it. Next up, I'm going to do The Amazing Tragedy of Macbeth starring Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand. Take care, everyone. Raiders of the Lost podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.